1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. And young ones especially, keep your eyes open for those three things, the new birth, the inheritance, and the shield, the guard. See if you can spot them. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We're just going to read again just three of those verses that we read earlier. We're just going to not look at the whole of uh, that that passage that we read. We're just going to focus in on three verses and I'm just going to read those Again for us, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, and then just through to verse 5. Here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice. This uh, week, uh, I went somewhere for the first time. I'm a Liverpool fan, not quite as much of a Liverpool fan as as Gordon. You maybe didn't know I was a Liverpool fan. a bit shameful, I lived in Liverpool for three years and never once visited the stadium. Uh, but this week I did, I, I went to visit uh, Anfield, the home of, of Liverpool FC, uh, and we did the tour. 
Uh, you know, we, we went, sat in the dugout uh, where the manager sits. Well, not quite where the manager sits. He's got posh seats. We didn't quite get to sit there. But uh, we sat in the, in the changing rooms where the players sit. Uh, we, we went down the tunnel. We touched the famous Anfield sign. Uh, we got as close as to the pitch as we were allowed to get. Uh, we, we, we did the tour. It was, it was really good. Uh, there was two things that struck me about the, uh, the tour to Anfield. The first thing uh, that struck me was actually how, <laughs> how religious it all felt. Uh, for some people, this is their, this is their religion. Uh, there was icons, there was images, uh, there was songs to sing. Uh, even some of the language on the tour uh, had religious feel about it. They talked about pilgrims, about faithful followers, uh, about believers, uh, and people travel from all over uh, to come to Anfield. I think the second thing uh, that struck me about the tour to Anfield was uh, just uh, how good a job they did through the tour of telling the Liverpool story. So they told this story in a way that kind of transcended everyone else, that made the club bigger than you. In fact, there was a a saying on the wall, no player is bigger than the the club. It was a transcendent story. There uh, there were stories from the past, uh, former players, former managers, uh, how the stadiums evolved over time. Uh, There was was a story of the present. You got to sit where the the players were going to sit on match day. Uh, and then there was the hope of the future. Again, on the, on the wall, it said, this club exists to win trophies. Uh, this club exists to win trophies. And did a great job of telling this story in a way that kind of brought you into the story and helped you feel your place in a story that's bigger than you. Uh, and as I went round the, the tour, it, it just made me ask this question. Uh, what about the Jesus story? What about the, the Jesus story? What narratives do I rehearse in my heart day in, day out about the Jesus story? How do I find my place in the Jesus story? What is my place in the story of God and his son and his, his kingdom? Living in this world uh, can be a, a disorientating experience, can't it? Sometimes the, the fog just descends. We get caught up in a sea of, of feelings. We cannot see uh, clearly. We don't know where we are, who we are, what we're meant to be doing. And it's really important to be able to get our bearings, to remind ourselves of, of who we are and the story that we are, are living in as those who belong to Jesus. And Peter here gives us these three images, these three pictures that I think really help us, help us do that. Help us get our bearings. Help us remember what story we are, are living in. There's a picture for our past. There's a picture for our future. And there is a picture for our present. And we really need to hang on to these pictures because sometimes life is really, really hard. And I know for some of us this morning, this week past has been really, really hard. 
And maybe for some of us, we're looking up ahead and we're looking at weeks and we know the weeks coming are going to be really, really hard. And these pictures are going to help us. Peter is writing this letter to uh, Christians. That's clear from the very first uh, verses. He's writing to those who have, have heard the good news about Jesus. That Jesus died for sins and rose again and lives forever and he's the king. And, and he's writing to people who have come to, to kneel before Jesus, to trust him and to receive the salvation that he brings. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian. Maybe you know something about Jesus, but you've never come to that point of, of trusting in him. Well, this morning as we look at these pictures, you're going to understand a little bit of what it means to be a Christian. You're going to kind of look in from the outside into the story and you're going to see that to be a Christian is a great thing. So let's uh, crack on with these uh, pictures. Uh, The first one is a picture from our past and it's the picture of new birth. I don't know where the dolly's gone. Naomi, you've got the dolly. Have you got the dolly there? Well done. Uh, We should have really had baby William, shouldn't we? Uh, Up here, maybe. Uh, I'm not going to, he's asleep. I'm not going to come and get him. But baby William could have been our, our image, our picture of, of, of the new birth. The new birth. Every one of us uh, this morning has a birthday. If you're sat here this morning, fact, you, you have a birthday. <laughs> you had a day that you uh, were born. Mine, 11 August 85. And stating uh, that everyone here has a birthday, that's just stating the obvious, isn't it? It's stating the obvious. And the birth of a baby, I'm sure Stephen and Krista will tell you, the birth of a baby is just full of wonder. (laughs) It's a uh, a remarkable experience to see a newborn baby. A baby that for nine months hasn't been able to see, hasn't been breathing, suddenly brought out into this world, taking its first breath, eyes opening for the first time, its whole existence transformed. And and Peter takes this idea of birth, this metaphor of of, of birth, and he uses it to describe the past experience of every Christian. Listen again to what he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again. Born again. If you are a Christian this morning, if you this morning are trusting in Jesus and seeking to follow him, then this is your past. You are born again. And if you are not born again, then you are not a Christian. We, uh, after we finish Romans, which is not too, not too long off, <laughs> uh, after we finish Romans, we, hopefully God willing, just going to look in at John 3 and John 4. And so we'll think a little bit more together about this idea, this doctrine of the new birth of being born again. But Jesus says to a man called Nicodemus in John chapter three, he says very plainly to Nicodemus, who is a very religious man, 
a very upright man, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Unless he is born again. We stated the obvious before, didn't we, that uh, everyone here has had a birthday. <laughs> Let me state the obvious again. You had nothing to do with your birth. <laughs> it was out of your hands. You played no part in your conception. You, you, you did nothing uh, to help yourself grow. <laughs> and you were simply a spectator at your own birth. I can't remember my own birth. I'm sure you can't remember yours. <laughs> but it happened, didn't it? It happened. You're here today is proof that it happened. And the point I want to make about the new birth is that it's something that God does. Just like you were incapable of, of giving yourself life and birth, so you are utterly incapable of giving yourself new life and new birth. Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has caused us to be born again. Simply put, I cannot make myself a Christian. You cannot make yourself a Christian. Only the supernatural life-giving power of God can make you a Christian. The new birth is God's work. It's something that he does by his spirit. And again, when, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he describes it like this. He says, the wind blows where it wants. <laughs> you don't know where it's come from. You, you don't know where it's going. You can hear its sound. He says, so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit the new birth is God's work why 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 would God bring about the new birth why would God cause that to happen for those of us who are Christians here this morning why has God done that for us in our life well here's the answer because he is merciful according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again. I, I, I just cannot hear that truth enough that my life in Christ is rooted and grounded in the mercy of God plus nothing. That is what I need to hear every day. That my sins, though they are many, his mercy is more. And so if you enjoy new life in Christ, this morning, fall down and worship God for his great mercy to you. How does God do this? How does God bring about new life? He brings about this new life, this new birth because of his mercy. How does he do it? Peter says it's through the resurrection of the dead of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he does it. 
It's through the truth about Jesus, through who he is and what he's done, that God is able to bring new life to us. That's where the mercy of God is seen, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again from uh, John 3, uh, I don't care, I'm going to preach in John 3, before we even get there, but Jesus talks to Nicodemus, doesn't he? He talks about uh, the serpent in the wilderness. You remember there, the, the people of Israel have gone astray in the wilderness. Uh, they've turned away from God and God has uh, brought judgment and discipline upon them in the, in the, in the form of some, some biting snakes and they're, they're dying in their thousands. And God told Moses to make a bronze snake and to put it up on, on, a, on a staff. And anyone who looks to the, the snake on the staff will live. And Jesus takes that story of Moses saying, look and live. And he says, so, so the son of man will be, be lifted up from the earth and everyone who believes in him will have life. That's how new life comes. Through just, just look into Jesus through knowing the truth about Jesus. That's how God loves to bring people to new life and into his family. And this first picture of the new birth ought to do two things in our hearts. It ought to humble us. It ought to humble us. Because it reminds us that we have done nothing to earn new life. Just like we did nothing to, to bring about our own conception and birth. It's something that God has done. It should humble us. And it, it should give us reassurance. <laughs> because new life doesn't rest on my initiative. It doesn't rest on the depth of my commitment or the strength of my faith or the firmness of my decision. As you and Kristen, I really struggle with that, you know. Praying the same prayer again and again, hoping that maybe I'd said the right words and maybe God would forgive me and now would be a Christian. But being a Christian and joining new life isn't about what I do, it's about what God's done. It's about the new birth. That's the first picture. That's of our past. So when you're going through hard times and difficulties, look back to the new birth. <laughs> Remember God's mercy. Here's the second picture that we've got this morning, and it's the picture of the inheritance. Victoria's helped us already think about, about this. And that's the picture of our future. Our future. The new birth means that we are God's children. That means we are part of a new family. And that means we come to share in a glorious inheritance. Peter writes about salvation. He writes about salvation, thinking about the future, what's, what awaits for us. And so he writes, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. This, this inheritance that we have as God's children is so otherworldly, is so far from our uh, appreciation. All that Peter can do is write about it in negative terms. <laughs> You can only can do is, is tell us what it's not. So he says it's imperishable. It'll never, it'll never go off like the fruit in the bowl. <laughs> it will never get old and stretched and faded like Kevin's t-shirt. 
It will never fall over like the tree in Arkham Village. It's imperishable. It will never decay. And then he tells us that it's unfading. Unfading. This week uh, on the Ark Home WhatsApp group, someone posted a picture of a bike. Sometimes people give stuff away on the Ark Home WhatsApp group. Uh, and maybe some of you saw this if you live in Arkham. Uh, but there's a picture of a bike. It said, like, kid's bike, free to a good home. It's been left outside. Uh, it's a little bit faded. And they posted these two pictures. And on one, the bike was red. And on the other, other one, the bike was white. <laughs> and someone thought it was two bikes they were giving away. So they said, oh, we'll have both bikes. And they said, oh, no, sorry, it's just one bike. <laughs> it's, like, red, and then it's been faded on the other side. But, but one Christmas, that was some kid's, like, pride and joy. They woke up one Christmas morning utterly delighted with this, this bright, shiny bike. And now it's been given away free on the Arkham WhatsApp group. It's a two-tone bike. But the inheritance that we have is unfading. It's never going to grow dim. That shine is never going to disappear from it. And then uh, Peter tells us that it's undefiled. It's undefiled, it's unspoiled by sin. Every, every good gift that we have in this world, every good thing that we enjoy is from God. But all of those good gifts are tainted by sin. Sin is a parasite. It can't create anything of its own. All it can do is take what God has and distort it and wreck it and spoil it and twist it. Relationships, possessions, family. Every good gift that God has given us, food, drink, sex, money, every good gift has the potential to be defiled by sin and twisted out of shape. But Peter says that our inheritance will be unstained by sin. That's wonderful, isn't it? I, th- I think that's brilliant. And Peter says this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Kept, reserved, safe. This inheritance is ultimately the Lord Jesus himself. The spotless lamb of God, the king of creation, and in him every good thing. We thought a little bit, I think, about this inheritance last Sunday evening when we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that great chapter all about the resurrection. Um, Peter compares our experience in this world to our experience in the world to come. And he says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown, this body, this slowly failing body that's sown is perishable. But Peter says it will be raised imperishable, Paul says. It's sown in dishonour, it'll be raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it'll be raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it'll be raised a, a spiritual body. That's our hope. That's our, our, our certain and future hope in Christ. Maybe the younger ones here, some of the children, don't think about that hope too much. But I can guarantee it that the older Christians... <laughs> They think about that hope a lot more. So I would encourage those who are younger to speak to those who are older. 
and ask them about the hope that they have. Okay, maybe you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. You don't know Jesus. You've not trusted Jesus. I would just remind you, you have nothing like this inheritance. Everything that you have is perishable. Everything that you have will one day fade. And everything that you have is, will be warped and tainted by sin. You have nothing like this inheritance. You have no hope like this. And so I would urge you to, to hear the words of Jesus, to come to him, to trust him, to follow him. So that's the second picture, the inheritance. Think of the gold bars. Think of all that awaits. That's our future. And then the third picture, the third picture, and this has been the picture that for me has helped me most this week. This is about our present. This is our present picture. And this is the picture of the shield the shield. The shield reminds us that in the present, every moment that we live, we are kept by God, shielded by him. So Peter says there, he speaks of Christians, he says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice. The word guarded there, it's a military word. That's why we've got a shield. And it speaks of a, think of a military escort. So for the young ones, think about your history lessons. Think about what you learned about the Romans. Think about all those soldiers stood in a row with all their shields locked together. And then if you're a Christian, this is the reality of your life. That as you walk through this world, you have this garrison of soldiers around you, marching you all the way to your inheritance a guard, a shield. And Peter says that shield is our faith. <laughs> Let me read again. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about you, but do you find that encouraging or, or discouraging? <laughs> Sometimes I look at my faith and I think, oh man, this faith is so weak. I'm struggling to believe today. It's hard. If this is my shield, how well protected am I? But Peter tells us that behind our faith, underneath our faith, around our faith, did you spot it? Is God's power. Our faith, no matter whether it feels weak or strong, is empowered by God. He is the one who is, who is keeping us. And it's just that picture that I found hugely helpful this week. The picture of the shields. <laughs> All around. That's our present. That's the reality for us today. Now, it doesn't always feel like that, does it? I'm sure it didn't feel like that for, for Peter's original readers. This letter is full of sufferings full of hardships, full of trials. And yet Peter wants them to know right at the start that this is the reality. You are guarded by God, kept all the way until the last time when your salvation will be revealed. So I don't know what this week ahead will hold for you. You don't know what this week ahead will hold for you. 
But no matter how you feel, no matter what you're thinking, if you're in Christ, this is the truth. You are guarded, kept, shielded, and he will not let you go. Two, uh, two responses I, I think Peter wants us to have to these three pictures. The first is praise. <laughs> praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The new birth, the inheritance, the shields, they should cause us to praise God. And the second response is joy. Peter says, in this you rejoice. Often the, uh, the Christian life is a fight for joy. And Peter here gives us an unshakable, immovable foundation for joy. <laughs> it doesn't matter what we're facing. It doesn't matter what we're feeling. These three pictures hold true and that means that we can rejoice. So when we're all at sea <laughs> and when life is pressing in hard and when we don't know what to do, take these three pictures out. Think about the baby, think about the new birth, think about your past and what God has done and get your bearings. When life is hard, when you don't know what to do, when life is pressing in, uh, think about the gold bars, the inheritance, unfading, imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. And remember that's your certain future. And perhaps most importantly, in the present, Today, this moment, remember that you are guarded, kept, that God is empowering your faith and he will not let you go.